Diversity is the art of thinking independently together. Today on the dojo, we are going to continue pulling on the thread of independence and freedom. Welcome to the dojo. dojo was aired on July 4th and we got into a bit of uh, what the founding of our country was all about trying to tie that into civil rights and the independent living movement and want to continue on this discussion about what is freedom freedom and independent living freedom and dot 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 fill in the blank there's so many other things that we can insert there the importance of discipline and freedom and what are you doing with your freedom so probably ideal place to start on all of this would have been to define well what is freedom i think this is a very good, perhaps many different responses and answers but we'll go towards the good old oxford dictionary uh, and pulled out their definition and their definition is the power or right to think speak and or act as a person wants to act, think, or speak. So the power or right to think, speak, and or act as a person wants to. So that's Oxford Dictionary, and I think that's a very uh, good definition if we were to live in a vacuum, not have to also live together and cooperatively as a society. We'll come back to that one, but at the same time, also think about the opposite of freedom. And, and for me, the thing that jumps out immediately is uh, slavery and you know the opposite of freedom being oppression. The things that often, I think, get point, pointed towards in this realm is you know undue overreach of systems and political forces that inhibits our ability to think, speak, and act as we want to. And that could be true, and, and often is, and we got to uh, often stand up in, in front of uh, that oppressive forces and, and speak our truth and do what is necessary to overcome those kind of things and those forces. And as in mentioned in the last episode, there's a, a lot that has gone on in the civil rights movement for people with disabilities and a lot more work that needs to be done in, in that phase. I also have found it interesting in the discussion about freedom is that it is not free from responsibility and our obligations. I think it was Viktor Frankl that said, in accompaniment to the Statue of Liberty, there should also be a statue of responsibilities. And I think like on the face of that definition from the Oxford Dictionary, it does not mention responsibility in there. It's just the freedom to act, speak, and think the way a person wants to. Well, we could do that, and like I said earlier, if we lived in a vacuum and it didn't impact other people and there weren't responsibilities, for example, we are not necessarily free to go run red lights. Yes, there are laws and there's rules and there's institutions that will enforce consequences if we go and run red lights. Why? Because it could endanger other people. It's fairly obvious. Smoking in public. There was, uh, I'm old enough to remember where people could smoke on an airplane. 
Um, there were cigarette machines where kids could easily access uh, cigarettes and, you know, people could smoke just about anywhere they wanted to. And uh, at the same time, people were speaking up saying, you know, we want the right to breathe clean air. And then all of a sudden rules and regulations started to come into place and there becomes lots of limitations on that freedom to just do whatever you want. You know, we're not free to just walk around in public without clothes on. You know, there's laws in 99% of this country where it would be uh, illegal to do that. Um, we're not free to go drink and drive. We're not free to take trash that we own in uh, a yard that we own and just burn it with the fuel and lighter fluid and flames that we own uh, to be able to go and, and just do that. Because why? Again, like smoking, it pollutes the air and we have responsibilities to make sure that we're not endangering other people by exercising our freedom to do uh, whatever we want, want to do. So freedom and responsibility, I do believe, come you know, in tandem with one another. That I think is very important. So we do have to live within you know, systems and rules and regulations and have limits on freedoms and, and, and to be truly free, as, as the definition of that Oxford Dictionary would say, if we really truly want to be free, then we need to be free from any kind of systems or institutions that are put in place. So you know, that would mean if you really, truly, really want to be free, according to that definition, and want to live in a vacuum, free from you know, societal constraints, that would mean going off into the wilderness and living on your own. You know, building shelter on your own, hunting and foraging for food on your own, creating tools on your own, creating any kind of things that you would want to survive out free from any kind of rules or responsibilities or regulations that society might have to be truly free. You would need to go do that. And, and believe me, I lived in Colorado and knew of people that wanted to live that kind of primitive lifestyle. And there are, I think it indeed are people in the great frontier of Alaska and perhaps even Maine that are probably carving out a life for themselves by doing just that, totally disconnected uh, from society and, and trying to carve out that kind of life. But that would be being truly free from any kind of responsibilities and having to live under any kind of laws or constraints that the society might have in order to coexist in a way that could be safe for everybody and the greater good. And, and that is an interesting thing about the founding of our country is that there's these two notions of you know, rugged individualism that we can have here in our country with some of the freedoms and independence that we have, as well as the commonwealth and the common good. We do want to strive to, to be independent in ourselves. And at the same time, if we're going to do this as a society where we're going to share roads, where we're going to share commerce, goods, services, uh, we're going to also have to think about one another and uh, being able to do that. And, and one of the exercises I like to think about in terms of being able to coexist in a, in a neighborhood or a community or in society that I think is really important that can really bring home how freedom and responsibility go hand in hand, I like to do what the Stoics called is the circle of concern. So the circle of concern it would say that you know we typically um, we'll have concerns about, first of all, ourselves. We usually put ourselves in the middle of these concentric circles. And so we got a concern for ourselves, our well-being, making sure that we're taking care of our health and you know, all the things that accompany that. And then our, the next circle would be our family and the concerns for them that we might have. 
a circle outside of that would be likely our friends uh, and the concerns that we have for them. And then the next circle out would be, for instance, perhaps our neighborhood and the people that live around us. And then concerns for people that we identify with in terms of culture and community. The next circle out would probably be societies that we live in. And then the next circle out would be perhaps the global community and the international circle of concern. And the idea of this stoic envisioning circles of concern would be that the, the inner circles, the self, the family, the friends, the neighborhood, the culture, the community, tends to be the ones that we have the most concerns with. And, and as we go outward, having less and less concern because the theory is is that we don't necessarily come into contact with people that are on the outer circles where the inner circles are those that um, we interact with a lot and so that we have more concern for ourselves and our family and our friends than we would perhaps of society and the international community, for example. The idea of this exercise would be is how can we bring in those outer circles closer to the circle of ourself and really thinking about the impact that our choices have on you know, how we conduct ourselves, how we behave on the impact that it would have on society, on the international community, or even our neighborhood and our culture and our community. And if we can bring in those outer circles closer to the inner circles of concern that we have, we'll be making decisions that are based on the greater good and having more responsibility. So, for example, if I want to have more concern for the environmental impact that my behaviors might have on the environment, which could impact people that I don't even know, I might make better choices about you know, my consumption or reusing or reducing or recycling and making sure that perhaps things that are important to accessing services or our community is something that I want to concern myself about, not necessarily for myself, but maybe for my neighbors who you know, might be more challenged in terms of access. Maybe I'll be concerned about our educational systems. Even if I'm a person, for example, that may not have children who are in the education system, I already went through the education system, but I know that in my community and in society, there are people that need good quality education. Even though I might not be in my family or even in my friends, I will be concerned enough for their education and their well-being to maybe support that or be okay with being taxed for their ability to have the resources they need to get the education that they can have. And, and also coming full circle, seeing how educating you know, uh, people in our community is going to be an important for myself because the benefits of that they will receive, I ultimately uh, will receive myself. And then we can think about how that circle of concern and well-being for others that might not be in our inner circle was pretty central to how perhaps people responded during the COVID pandemic. Isolating and distancing and masking and vaccines was all the discussion was central around to You know, oftentimes you could hear, well, I don't need it to get the vaccine or to wear masks or to distance because I'm not, you know, a part of the high risk group and I, I, I. So that circle of concern that people might have been articulating could be coming from exactly themselves. 
Well, maybe if they were in that category, they might be making different comments. Or if they weren't in that category but had family that they were concerned about or friends that they were concerned about, they might be taking actions that would prevent the spread of COVID. Or even if they didn't have those concerns for themselves, their family, or their friends, but were thinking about people in their community, people in society, they may be saying and conducting themselves in different ways than they may have. I saw how this circle of concern was definitely playing out through the COVID pandemic. Freedom and independent living and disabilities. On the last dojo, we did talk just a little bit about disability in the civil rights movement. Civil rights for people with disabilities, which happened during the civil rights movement for people during the 60s, looking for equality based on race. And we saw how the independent living movement really got born as well in the 60s. And through Ed Roberts advocating to get to Berkeley, where he merited enrollment into but didn't have access to buildings or to other types of accommodations that he needed, really helped to spur a movement of people to advocate for civil rights, to deinstitutionalize disabilities. We think about freedom. And, and, and within our lifetime, within my lifetime, people with disabilities were institutionalized against their own will, against their own will, put into institutionalized care, forced into it. And the fact that people that are still alive today had to do what they could do to really raise awareness of people and to advocate for getting people out of institutions and back into the community. That's what they did with their freedom. People that did have the freedom to make their voice heard and to articulate that and to take to the streets, take to the the ballot box, to really make their voices heard. This is what they did with their freedom. They were able to do that. And finally, in 1973, where the Rehab Act got passed, where there was opportunities and services and programs and laws put in place to deinstitutionalize disabilities. And so many more people now live in the community because people took to the streets. People let their voices be heard. Thank goodness. And on this podcast and the long-form interviews that we do, and, and if you're a regular list, listener, you know this, I ask our guests what independent living or the independent life means to them. And, and so many fantastic responses. And, and, and a common one, to paraphrase, would be the freedom to make choices for ourselves. So independence and freedom and the ability to make our own choices for ourselves really is an important philosophical principle for the the liberties of people with disabilities. So this freedom is a very important thing for people with disabilities, very important. And it also includes the freedom to make the wrong choices. Oftentimes, we here at the Center for Independent Living in working with people with disabilities um, are trying to provide the options and opportunities for people to make decisions that are going to better their lives. Finish school, getting employed, making healthy decisions, getting into more uh, affordable and accessible housing. So many like opportunities that we're giving to people that didn't have those opportunities before coming to our center to receive our services. And, and we're empowering them to make choices that could increase their independence. 
And there are times where we'll see people making choices that we would not want them to make. But we don't interfere. We allow them to, to make some of the choices that would maybe not advance their education or not get them the job that they could get or uh, turn down uh, affordable, accessible housing. And then all of a sudden they're in more restrictive living environments. And, you know, it's not easy, but at the same time, we realize, and I realize, you know, in my own life decisions, that having that choice, that freedom to make the wrong decisions can ultimately learn, you know, ultimately get to a place of learning the hard lessons that we need to learn. You know, it's cliche, but, you know, sometimes we need to learn things the hard way. And we got to allow people the freedom to make the choices that allow for those life lessons to happen. So independence is about choice. It's about making choices for ourselves, even when they're the, the wrong choices and, and the lessons that can come from, from making those mistakes. So freedom and fill in the blanks. So this is, I think, an important aspect of freedom for, for the way that I uh, am defining freedom for myself and from what I'm finding in my own personal life. But outside of you know, freedom from the tyranny of institutions and freedom from uh, oppression of, of systems and, and the inequalities that are out there. I, I bring this close to home to me and, and what I think about my own personal growth and development. But what about freedom and our mind and the thoughts that we have? You know, I want to be able to be free to be able to, to free myself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can be the ones to set ourselves free from the jail that our mind and our thoughts can put ourselves in. I'm paraphrasing there from Bob Marley's redemption song, but none but ourselves can free ourselves from the trappings that our mind can get into. Are we the thinker or are we the thoughts that we have? And really separating ourselves at times from the self-destructive patterns that thinking can get in, in, into that inner voice that we have inside of us it could be the worst self-critic and be something that's not healthy for us and to have that present moment awareness to redirect our thoughts to to know that we are the ones in control of our thoughts and we don't have to accept the thoughts that just pop into our head and so can we be free from the tyranny of our mind can i be free from the the harmful emotions that we might have based on the thoughts that we have uh, we had a few episodes on the dojo not too long ago about fear. Can we be free even though we feel fear? You know, even though we might have fear, can we still act courageously or brave? Or are we going to be imprisoned by the fear that we might have? Can we be free from having and harboring resentments against other people for, for past mistakes or wrongdoings? Um, can we be free from the social pressures uh, and opinions of other people. As I've said on this podcast many times, Abraham Maslow, the hierarchy of needs, the highest level on that hierarchy is self-actualization. And Maslow says that self-actualized people are free from the good opinion of other people. And, and that can be a really challenging one and not be triggered by what other people say. You know, it's almost cliche nowadays in the vernacular of pop culture to say trigger warning, watch out, I'm about to say something that might trigger somebody. 
You know, why are we walking around so easily triggered by what other people say? We don't control that. Um, we can't control that. And, and that is something that, again, I said so many times on this podcast, pointing to Epictetus, our chief task in life is to identify those things that are up to us and those things that are not up to us. For me, this points exactly to freedom. You know, the freedoms that I have are based on what I have control over, what I think, what I say, and what I do. I am not free from controlling the weather. I am not free from whether or not there's going to be traffic. Weather that's going to do what it's going to do and traffic's going to do what it's going to do and people are going to say what they're going to say. I don't have the ability to control those things. So uh, my freedom is very limited by those things that are out of my control. Am I going to be free from complaining and blaming and gossiping myself? Am I going to be one of those people that are putting social other pressure on other people? Am I going to be one of those people that are having opinions about other people and articulating those uh, opinions by complaining and blaming and doing all those other kind of things? Am I going to be perpetuating that force in this world that seems to be very prominent out there? I'm going to be free from that. Um, I'm going to be free from the trappings of materialism and chasing after money. While those things could be important, um, but oftentimes, even people that are very wealthy are not free. I hear this a lot from people that have material or financial wealth, thinking that it's going to buy them the freedom to do whatever they want um, and to never have to work. Um, I often hear how that's not the case, first of all, that they become extremely bored. You ever seen or heard the tales of people that win the lottery, for example? It it becomes almost where that money that they've gained or that materialism that they have, they don't own it. It owns them. And they're not free from it. They're free from the trappings of it, in fact. And this idea that, you know, poverty is always wanting more. There's plenty of people that have immense amounts of money and material wealth and are always wanting more and are enslaved to that unquenchable want and desire and aren't really truly free. Can we be free from the trappings of pleasure and desire? So there's all kinds of unhealthy pleasures and desires that we may want to have fulfilled. But as, uh, again, the Stoics would teach us, it's not that freedom is fulfilling all the pleasures and desires that uh, we have, but it's actually freeing ourselves from having those pleasures and desires and the need to fulfill them. That's what true freedom is. And we live in an age and society where, let's face it, any pleasure or desire that we have can be readily fulfilled. Um, It's more accessible than ever. And at the same time, it's harder. And at the same time, we still can find a path to free ourselves from having these unhealthy pleasures and desires tugging at us to fulfill them at any one time. There's a lot of, I think, those important areas in which we can think about freedom. If we can really, if I can really work on freeing myself from my mind and the tra- you know, of negative thinking, uh, of emotions, of the opinions of other people, of um, you know, material or financial or uh, pleasures or desires, that to me is going to be real freedom. You know, I got to borrow this from uh, Jocko Wilnick, who has really famously coined that phrase of discipline equals freedom. 
And this, you know, kind of harkens back to how responsibility and freedom go hand in hand. So um, the idea being that, you know, discipline is the ability to do what we need to do when we need to do it, whether we want to or not. So doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done, whether we want to do it or not. So important to have discipline, to be able to do that. So we could have the freedom to make the choice to not go exercise. We have the freedom to make the choice to eat just whatever we want. We have the freedom to, to consume alcohol, tobacco, and other drugs. Sure, we can have that freedom. But we will then likely be imprisoned by poor health. So if I'm free to not exercise, to eat whatever I want, I'm likely going to develop a chronic disease in my life where if conversely, I had the discipline to exercise, to be physically active, um, to be disciplined about my diet, uh, to eat those healthy things, I will be free from those chronic diseases or the addictions that could come along uh, with them. I could have the discipline to, to meditate, to be self-aware, and then I could be free from the trappings of my mind. So by having the discipline to do something, maybe I don't want to sit down here and observe my thoughts for the next 10 minutes and, and sit in silence and you know do all those other kind of things. I may not want to do it, but I'll be disciplined enough to do it. And what that's buying me in the future is to then be able to have the freedom from the worries and trappings that the mind could get into, worrying about the future, regretting the past. Well, if I've done my meditations for the day, I might be able to free myself from that, you know, getting trapped into the busyness of the mind that it can have and it's all its wandering. So this idea is, is that, you know, discipline ourselves to do those things that are healthy for us that we may not want to do when we want to do it, we'll be able to liberate ourselves sometime in the future from the consequences of not doing those things, of not having the discipline to be able to do that. So what are we doing with our freedoms? You know, what am I doing with my freedoms? Well, you know, hopefully it's making, you know, the right decisions on how we decide to think, to speak, and to act. And what does that really mean? You know, at least in terms of the, the philosophical principles of this podcast, and as I was mentioning earlier about civil rights. It's Albert Schweitzer that said, you know, the only thing that evil needs to triumph is for good people to do nothing in the face of it. So the only thing that evil needs to truly triumph is for good people to do nothing in the face of it. So we have the freedom to do nothing. You know, so... So that, that is fully within, you know, our freedom and liberties to do nothing, to, to see the world and to see the politics and to see how society is conducting itself. And it's very easy for us to have this attitude of, well, there's nothing I can do about it. It's bigger than myself to be apathetic, to be complacent, to be cynical and to be nihilistic. We have the freedom to be all of that and to not get involved. Absolutely, 100% our freedom and right to do that. It is also our freedom and right to say, you know what, I don't believe that this is right. I am going to be empathetic. I'm gonna be inspired. I'm gonna be engaged. I'm gonna get involved, and I'm gonna do my part for the greater good. So that 
evil does not triumph. I'm going to be hopeful instead of nihilistic. Instead of complaining about the problem, I'm going to be the solution to the problem. Be the change we want to see the world in the world. We have that freedom too. Which choices are you making? This is a question I ask myself. What am I going to choose? Am I going to choose the, the path of apathy and complacency and cynicism in the, in the face of everything that I can identify that's wrong in our community and society? Or am I going to choose you know, to have empathy, to be inspired, to be engaged, and do something about it? Instead of complaining about the problem, be a solution to the problem. So we have choices in this freedom. Which one are you making? I think we can all look towards the past and be very thankful that people in the civil rights movement for people with disabilities, those people like Ed Roberts, Judy Human, all those people that uh, were chronicled in the documentary of Crip Camp, I am so thankful that they did not allow oppression to win because they got off the sidelines. They got involved. They decided to have empathy, to be inspired, to get engaged, and to do something about what they perceived to be oppressive. Thankfully, they did, because now I have more freedom in my life because of what they did. They weren't apathetic. They weren't cynical, nihilistic, and complacent. I'm so fortunate for them and the work that they do. So fortunate, in fact, that I feel compelled to do what I can to make sure that we continue this struggle for freedom for all people, but especially those who have disabilities. And to do it for people that in the past have done it so that I can be in a better position, but also for those in the future. I often imagine what will people ask me? What will my children ask me about what did I do with my freedom when I had the opportunity to stand up and advocate on behalf of other people? What did I do during this time, this transformative time? Did I do nothing or did I do what was in my control? I had the freedom now. What am I going to do with it? You have the freedom now. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to answer the question of future generations about what you did here and now, today, to make a difference in this world with the freedom that you have to make your life, our lives, this world better? A better place to be. One that I truly believe if we exercise our freedom to, to get involved, to be engaged, it'll be a life that we can take onward and upward. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org 
at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.